Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Z Talk. I am your host, Matt Appleby, and thank you for joining us on our kickoff episode. For those of you who do not know me, I am an IBM Z software client leader, and what that means to you is that I'm responsible for all software that is deployed on the mainframe. So ZTalk begins the conversation of looking at new and exciting software technologies that are available on the world's most powerful computing platform, the IBM Z mainframe. And with that being said, we will be doing just that today by talking about IZPCA, which stands for IBM Z Performance and Capacity Analytics. Joining me today are two very capable individuals that will be talking about the benefits of having IZPCA in your environment. And I would like to introduce Mr. Butch Rambish and Daniel Rule. They're joining me from 21st Century as a business partner. Without further ado, Butch and Daniel, could you give us your background and industry expertise? Uh, sure. Uh, this is uh, Butch Rambish. Um, I work with the 21st Century. Uh, I've been working in the, uh, the Z environment uh, since the late 70s and uh, have spent a good bit of my time as a systems programmer and capacity uh, planner, um, as well as working with uh, uh, a couple vendors, including IBM, uh, with this product, this product specifically. Um, 21st Century has over 30 years of experience in developing mainframe uh, analytic solutions. They took over the development of uh, this product uh, in uh, 2017 and have since delivered uh, about eight different releases uh, with some new uh, technology that we're going to talk a little bit about as we get into the um, uh, into the talk and uh, you know, focus on some of the modernization they've done with this uh, technology uh, that's really based around a discipline that's been around for you know, the entire life of the, of the mainframe. And uh, I'm going to let Dan talk a little bit about his background, and then we'll get into the, the questions and answers. Uh, good day. Uh, it's Dan Roll. I have over 40 years, same, same kind of decades that uh, Butch has. Uh, when I joined systems, I came, I've come out of computer operations as a computer operator, tape librarian, JCL coder, moved into systems. I was a Z uh, uh, systems engineer, storage engineer, capacity planner. I've worked in multiple industries. I've worked with software vendors uh, developing products, uh, multiple platforms. I've uh, been in the large financial services industry uh, and uh, also visited customers and the discipline that we're going to talk about today is really revolves around capacity management, which includes uh, capacity, which is scalability, performance, service levels, and costs. So those are the things that have been true for decades that I'm familiar with. Well, hey, thank you, Daniel, and thank you, Butch. Um, so without further ado, we'll start getting into the questions uh, surrounding IZPCA. And my first question to you is, what are the key tool inputs in key capacity planning? I think the, this is Dan Roll. The first thing that I think many folks think about is resource consumption, but resource consumption data is always in the context of service level or user experience. So uh, one of the tool inputs is, that, is to track uh, service levels with resource consumption. So that's one of the key things is tool inputs. And then without storing it, the historical database to provide trending analysis so you know where you came from. And key performance metrics, there's tens of thousands of metrics that are possible within the, the mainframe environment. And it takes tech, technical expertise to understand what the relevant data is and how this relevant data is in the context of cost. 
and the timeless timeliness of the data is is important. Uh, decades ago, we could we could cut the data off at midnight, but now we are asking for near real time data, and our the product that Z, ZPCA will also provide real, near real time data. And a statistical functions built into the tool in order to understand the data is also important. And finally, you know, catering this data to the, the diverse audience to, so they can understand the, the system in a business context. Uh, the system metrics and all this technical measurements have to be within a business context so you understand what if the service levels are being uh, achieved. And this is Butch, if I can add on to a little bit of what uh, Dan said, you know, one of the, the challenges uh, companies face is uh, the expertise required to uh, understand the sources of the data, the use of the data, what data is important. And uh, that's become even more difficult over the years as a lot of the, uh, the uh, um, what's called tribal knowledge is uh, getting older and retiring and bringing new people in and, uh, you know, having them be able to make those kind of decisions. And so, you know, having a tool that out of the box uh, has some intelligence in terms of what metrics are really important uh, and uh, um, to be more efficient in terms of how much storage you, you store. And just as an example, one of the components that uh, has been developed by um, 21st Century as one of the enhancements is a, is a component called Key Performance Metrics. And they've gone to IBM subject matter experts in the various discipline areas, whether it be ZOS or CICS, and they've had some intelligence in terms of what comes out of the box. So customers don't have to turn on everything. They can start with a much smaller subset. And the, the benefits have been significant. They've seen reductions of 90% uh, in terms of the amount of storage consumed by the performance database and 90% reduction in CPU usage to process the data. And, and so that's been significant for a lot of, uh, lot of customers using this product. Well, well, thanks, Butch, and thanks, Dan, for those explanations. But I want to kind of touch on two things that you guys said, and that was kind of being efficient. So what are the, who are the key people for capacity planning, and what do they need to be successful? The, the first ones that come to mind are technical people that could present the technical data to a, a non-technical audience. Uh, this also includes presenting technical data to other technical audiences, like the application development staff who will be doing uh, testing within the agile process to ensure that whatever new products are developed within the mainframe space achieves service levels. So they need they need to be enabled with the proper response time data and service level data in order to understand the before and afters of their application product change. And finally, the key people for making capacity planning successful is the business needs to contribute to enable accurate forecasts because some of the data has to be uh, the marketing forecast and also, we'll, and we'll probably touch about on this later as one of the inputs within the capacity planning process, but the business folks also have to understand the technical data so they can see that their service levels are being met. Yep. So, you, you know, what I, what I was hearing was that the technical side and the business individuals need to be kind of understanding of what's going on with IZPCA. Um, and, and you touched on something in the sense of what are the key data inputs that are required in capacity planning? Everything that makes up response times, which is part of the uh, three 
disciplines, interlocking disciplines, capacity, scalability, performance, and service levels and costs. But within the service levels, that's the, the different components of response time, which would include CPU, disk storage, and disk response times. Uh, it's not just um, important to deliver the, the proper data, but also to deliver the data timely, uh, near real time. Uh, as I, we talked about before, you know, previously in decades ago, we would cut off the data at midnight because there was so much data, multi-terabytes of data that could potentially be delivered to the, um, to the, to the database. But timely deli uh, delivery of the data in near real-time uh, response, which uh, ZPCA does get, is able to do that into DB2. And the new applications and projects need to be included in the forecast. So any data inputs from the development process and measuring the development environments is really important to model uh, after existing workloads, create test environments, but also see within the test environments what measurements are going on within those environments. And finally, we talked about market forecasts, which is also included in any kind of forecast that is would be relevant to the capacity planning forecasts, um, capacity planning process. Because one of the one of the things that's interesting is uh, you look at the um, this whole pandemic with the, with the COVID and the uh, governmental changes that uh, brought about some uh, assistance to businesses. And uh, you know a lot of people heard about the payroll protection plan and the EIDL loans. Uh, those kind of things are uh, going to drive uh, usage of, of computer systems that obviously you couldn't go back and forecast based on you know historical data. You couldn't look at the performance data and say, oh, you know this is what it's going to take. So there are inputs into the process that uh, that come from uh, information about what are the plans and, and whether it be a government agent or a business uh, acquiring a new a bank acquiring another bank. Those kinds of, of uh, pieces of information uh, are also important to a capacity plan uh, to be able to project uh, usage uh, and service levels for uh, the various systems. And, and I couldn't agree more. And I think that actually kind of leads into my next question, which was, you know, we're talking about the key data inputs when it comes to capacity planning. But Daniel, I know when we had an earlier discussion, you kind of pose the question, what did capacity planning used to mean kind of versus what it means today? It used to mean that you would do trending data and uh, it would be more one dimensional, but there's multiple inputs that come from various sources. Uh, there's multiple uh, inputs from on the mainframe from uh, distributed systems into the mainframe, but also marketing data like what Butch was talking about new federal policy that can drive systems that uh, never before have seen the amount of resource consumption because the policy changed. But, but that is quite new and it's, the systems are a lot more dynamic than they were used, used to be many years ago. They were used to be a lot more um, um, uniform in terms of growth. You can easily draw a linear regression and, and get a pretty accurate forecast. Uh, the other pieces within the forecast are that are useful is understanding the hardware and the architecture. And so seeing measurements around the architecture and understand whether or not you have enough capacity on demand and zips, there's other technologies that are involved in the, in the planning process. And within the products that the key performance metrics, we look at 
uh, many of those different measurements in order to ensure that going forward, the capacity planning process has as much, uh, the, the lowest amount of risk as possible as you move forward. Yep. Yeah. So I, that kind of asks another question, meaning in your experience, what does the most frequent for, forecast variance occur? Yes, the, the, the biggest variance that I've seen in, in the past has been application changes. So seeing, being within the application uh, life cycle is really important to be in measuring within the QA process when new application changes are, are being made and compare those to production and then doing an estimate what the expectation is on the production side. But my number one change in variance and capacity in my experience in doing this for a long time has been application. Uh, that pushes also before and after reporting. So having web reporting available uh, so all different audience parties can see from computer operations to the application environment to executive management to be able to see what was it before and what, what was it afterwards after the change is really important. Uh, finally, system defects. Sometimes there's system defects that contribute to variance, but not as much as application changes. And sudden, sudden or business changes also are a contributing factor that I've seen in the past, especially in the last six to nine months with COVID-19. Yeah, and actually kind of relating to COVID-19, um, especially that everything is kind of on a more constrained budget, what is the best way to save costs for our customers when it comes to the cost of computing? I've been doing this for a long time. It's always been the same uh, kind of process, really, is to do top 10, top 40 type reporting, looking at their 80% highest consumers and then tune those consumers. Um, that's the number one thing to do is to have a, a very good application tuning program available to in the environment, which seems like that's going to cost you money, but in the long term, it flattens the curve in terms of CPU usage. And you want to smooth out the consumption peaks, and that's what that process does. Uh, take advantage of any kind of pricing that is possible. Use zip engines. IZPCA uses zip engines in order to save money. Other um, products do not use zip engines, but IZPCA does use zip engines. Uh, put everything in memory, which is also part of the measurement schema that is part of the product, is to put everything in memory. Whenever you see I.O., eliminate the I.O. and put it in memory. The new mainframes, Z15, Z14, and so forth, all those machines have uh, a whole bunch of memory in order to put DB2, make bigger DB2 buffer pools and tune those buffer pools. And then take advantage of the new operating releases of the operating system, which uh, the newer releases, for instance, of DB2, which I'm familiar with, um, put more things in memory, everything from the DB2 utilities to uh, DDF and all the, all, the, all the other work that runs in there and kicks and other products that run within the mainframe space also take much more advantage of, of, of memory in order to save CPU seconds. And finally, one other thing I would mention is strategic planning is important, knowing where you're going to go so you can save money. So knowing within 13 months or 18 months 
where you're going to go. So the trending and forecasts are real important. So you know how big the machine needs to be. And that's part of doing uh, effective uh, trending within the data that you have within your environment. Great. Well, hey, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, because I know, you know, these days, saving money anywhere is a huge added benefit for our customers. So, you know, with those explanations that you gave, I'm sure it is more than enough to have our customers be more than engaged. Um, and that leads me to my last question that I have for you today on IZPCA, and that is, what are the key outputs of the capacity management process? Reporting is, uh, is always done in the context of the audience. So, uh, number one, management forecasting would include cost analysis and workload trends. Usually within a workload, there's application owners and business owners. So, including service levels is important. Technical reporting provides development, and I would uh, underline self-service reporting is really important. And along with that, production operations need self-service reporting. Because typically within any kind of uh, system management environment or group, there's usually more of them than us. And so having self-service reporting so they could self-service their needs and understanding what's going on within their, their goals and processes. So development, for example, can see, you know, when they ran their tests, they could see it consumed this much, and then they could extrapolate what it would be consuming in production within production operations when there was a change on Sunday and Monday came along, uh, to be able to see right away within the first couple hours, the historical data is really important so they can see, well, we did a change on Sunday we knew about or we didn't know about, and they could see that the change happened in this workload on this system and the service levels were breached because of the change in the consumption patterns. And finally, uh, integrated into enterprise reporting framework. So the data that's produced within any kind of performance database framework needs to, it, this was not like this uh, decades ago, but integrated into enterprise reporting frameworks like Splunk or Cognos that will draw upon the outputs to integrate it into other reporting that they might be doing for the, the larger uh, enterprise. And just to, just to kind of add on to a little bit about what Dan uh, was talking about, with IZPCA and uh, the ability to have standard uh, Splunk or ELK dashboards uh, so that the information is, uh, is available in a timely manner for the various users. And uh, with tools like uh, Cognos and, and uh, Splunk, uh, you have the ability to drill down. So you can present uh, high-level information and uh, people don't have to be inundated with uh, hundreds of reports. However, if they're working on a particular problem, it's very easy to drill down and get to the root level of, of a problem. And then finally, the other aspect is the timeliness of the data. And this is one of the areas that um, 21st century has uh, really improved uh, and enhanced the um, uh, the product and made it much more modern. And we call it near real time. And, and that is your SMF data can be made available within minutes of actually being cut. So instead of looking, waiting till uh, tomorrow to look at uh, 10 o'clock today, for example, uh, by 10.30 we can have the data loaded in DB2 and, and people can be looking at it. So from a performance uh, problem standpoint, um, it's you know, very timely and uh, enhances tools like Omegamon. It's not intended to be a replacement 
for a real-time monitor, but it does give you a, a view of your information that uh, is there to augment and to help uh, those people that are using tools like Omegamon and provide them some additional tools to help solve uh, performance uh, and other technical problems. Yeah, well, well, Dan and Butch, you guys just touched on a lot of good topics, anywhere from looking at the inputs to outputs, uh, the planning itself, and the uh, variance and cost when it comes to cost of computing. Now, these subjects are all great, but, you know, I think a lot of our listeners would love to hear some use cases and where you guys have actually done this and had success. Um, and I know with the decades of experience you guys have, um, I, I know there's some examples that you guys could provide. Yeah. Um... There's a, a project going, and, and can't mention the, the name uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, it's a, a very large data center, and they're processing 80 LPARs of data, and they're committing it to their uh, DB2 database uh, every uh, five minutes, I believe it is. Um, and they've got, so within five minutes across 80 LPARs, they have their data being loaded into DB2. So that data is now available for uh, analysis and, and reporting. And they're doing this, and the CPU usage or CPU utilization by the process is less than a percent. So we've been able to, to take a very large environment and, and uh, process multiple terabytes of SMF data uh, you know, every day and do it in a fashion that uh, you know, has not impacted uh, the utilization of the, or, or the usage of their other technologies but has made the data much more timely and, and efficient and, and available, and taking advantage of tools or, or resources like the ZIP engines uh, has allowed this process to be much more efficient. And then, they've, uh, in addition, they've been able to utilize uh, Cognos and uh, uh, Splunk for getting the information out in a timely manner to, to their, their end users. And so the, the, the typical capacity planning and uh, performance reports uh, are now uh, able to be delivered uh, uh, in a way that helps these, these uh, organizations, this organization, uh, to be able to respond to, to problems and uh, answer questions uh, in a much, much more timely manner. Yeah, and I would just add to Butch's example is that ADL PARS is a lot of data, to say the least. And, you know, when you're looking at just key performance indicators where you know, pretty much within a performance data, use 10% of the metrics and if you use the key performance indicator options that are within the product, you're gonna save a ton on consumption and cost, spinning that data through the mainframe. And then secondly, uh, you're using DB2 and you're using zip engines. So spinning 80 LPIRs of data and using zip engine saves you, uh, it eliminates that cost, the computing cost, when you have to talk to a CPU in order to do any kind of transactions for the, for the product. Well, hey, you guys heard it here first. So, Dan, Butch, um, I appreciate your time and your expertise that you guys were willing to share with us on today's podcast. Um, and I just want to say thank you both for your time, uh, for dedicating it to us today. And um, if there are any other questions, we will always continue this podcast every bi-weekly with new and interesting topics. Um, so we look forward to you guys then. And Butch and Daniel, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time on Z Talk.